This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. The themes and topics about to be discussed include serious mental illness and may be very triggering for some people. If you think you could be affected, please make sure you press pause and think carefully before listening to this podcast. If you decide to proceed, please make sure you have support and a health professional you can speak with later if needed. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. Today's episode is about feminism, coercive control and ageism, standing up to discrimination and injustice with Jane Caro, feminist social commentator. Jane's a writer and lecturer based in Australia. She's a columnist, workshop facilitator, speaker, broadcaster, documentary maker, advocate for public education, and she's an award-winning advertising writer. Jane runs her own communications consultancy and lectures in advertising. She was appointed a member of the Order of Australia in 2019 in recognition for her significant service to the broadcast media as a journalist, feminist social commentator and author. Welcome, Jane, to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Amanda. Jane, we're both at an age where we've experienced female prejudice and ageism, and we know a lot more about domestic violence and coercive control than we probably wish. Jane, you've always been a feminist and you've done much to help change the landscape of feminism. What is it that drives your long-held passion for advocacy, reform and change? Injustice. Injustice Mm. drives me. I mean, once your eyes are open and you can see it, you can't unsee it and you want to change it because it is unjust. And I think the thing is it doesn't matter what your age, you can be a newborn baby girl and you're going to be facing automatic injustice. You know, it might have changed a bit in the West in terms of how the birth of a baby girl is greeted these days, but it's not that long ago that um, it was disappointment and people said, oh, well, never mind, perhaps you'll have a boy next time. I mean, I I keep pointing out that, uh, you know, a couple of thousand years of people being disappointed when you were born is not overcome in a few decades. So um, this kind of assumption that women are lesser, that we're sort of uh, not quite as good men, has always struck me as, um, well, deeply self-serving for men. Like, you know, boy, oh, boy, is that ever a stupid um, way to present yourself to the world with a belief that you're just intrinsically better for some unknown reason Um, and uh, patently uh, nonsensical in that case, but also deeply, deeply damaging to the life uh, opportunities and um, the ability to women of women to develop their authentic selves and to contribute properly to our society. Um, And so it's a tax on everyone to repress women. Absolutely. And I was shocked to read in your recent article on feminism that women are still earning only 86 cents per dollar earned by every man, earned by men. And, you know, we still do the, the greater domestic load and mm. only 6% of CEO positions on the ASICS-listed 200 companies are occupied by women. Yeah, absolutely. And, indeed, that wage gap gets much worse as you get older. Mm. So it increases, um, it gets up to around 30%, I believe, oh. the older you get the, the the pay gap between men and women. So, yes, I mean, we kind of play a, pay a penalty 
for just being female. Um, and yet the, the really deeply ironical thing is that we are among the best educated people in the world. Um, women in Australia, I think we, we used to be the first, now we're the fourth most educated uh, women in the world. It's bad that we've slipped back those three places. Yeah. So that may just mean that other countries have gotten better and that's obviously a good thing. Uh, but we are way down, way down, according to the World Economic Forum, in terms of workplace um, participation and achievement. And so forget about the injustice, forget about all of that. Just think for a minute about the criminal waste yeah. of all that highly educated, uh, ambitious, um, hardworking, uh, enthusiastic talent that we just hobble um, and uh, consign to the well if you must be in, in terms of trying to um, fulfil their potential. It's a stupid thing to do, mm. uh, waste that talent, and yet um, we continue to hear it being justified. We do, and and we know as women that it's always said amongst us and it's known amongst us that as women we have to work so much harder to prove ourselves because we start from a position of being seen and told that we're, ne we're not equal, we're not good enough, we're not as good because we're purely because we're female. Yeah, and um, we do have this um, sense of having to get male approval and, and to some extent that is deeply annoying and I hate watching us placate and, you know, keep the men's feelings okay. You know, they were fragile flowers. No, they're fine. You don't have to fuss about them. They're perfectly adequate people. They can cope. But I, nevertheless, I do understand why we do it because if you're in the subordinate culture, then if you're ever going to get an opportunity or you're ever going to get any kind of a chance, you have to convince some bloke of your value mm -hmm. um, to get that chance. And so, yeah, women have learned. It's deeply ingrained in us. How do we, you know, twist and turn ourselves mm -hmm. around the blokes so that we can get the chance that we're after? Um, I mean, I do it too sometimes. I'm, I, I have a favourite thing I say in meetings if I want to um, put forward an idea because I've discovered over time that if I just say, oh, what if we do this? Or, or I can't say that as some sort of laissez majesty. Um, so now I say, look, I'm sure you've already thought of this, but I wonder if we did X, Y, Z. And it's funny how just saying that they all go, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. we did do something like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I get a bit sick of that. Yes, uh, we do. And we, we, at the very least we try to be non-threatening because we know that we'll just get a defence mechanism up as soon as we're not um, seeing ourselves um, in ways that are um, fitting in. Yeah, I'm not very that. good at the non-threatening thing. I'm a bit... <laughs> straight talking and blunt, which yes. the eternal credit some men really like and appreciate yeah. and totally get. Yeah. Um, but there are quite a few who find that quite difficult. And, in fact, occasionally you see it on panel shows, not with me specifically, but I've watched other women who have a similar um, straight talking way of approaching an issue or a question as I do. And I've seen um, men on panels get uh, particularly middle-aged or older men get quite um, affronted, although the woman hasn't said anything rude or, or personal, they get quite affronted. And I had a, I thought about that quite long and hard and I realised it was because they were used to women automatically deferring to them. Mm -hmm. And if you're a woman like me that doesn't do that, mm -hmm. then that can be seen as 
are rude in and of itself, even though actually if you analyse the words, there's nothing rude about them. Yeah, there's this expectation of deference. It's the same as when my husband and I uh, go for a walk together in the morning. I once said to him, have you noticed how if there's a man walking towards us, I always have to get out of his way? And he went, no, and then he watched and he said, shit, yeah. And so what he does now is he always puts himself in the way of any man coming towards us because (laughs) they get out of the way of a bloke, but they won't get out of the way of a woman. So men do this without even knowing they're doing it. If you pointed it out to a guy, he goes, I don't do that. That's ridiculous. It's an unconscious assumption that he has a greater right to the space on the sidewalk than you do. Yeah. And look, you said in this recent article that men really do themselves a disservice by um, not wanting the woman to work and to earn as much as her as they become a wage slave and therefore a slave in it, mm. in, the, in that fact. And I think that's one of the things that I see about this male entitlement, that it's actually a disempowerment within themselves ultimately because if a male, as you just said, you know, is comfortable with a female being just as empowered. He has good masculine energy. Real self-confidence. If you're a confident person, you don't need to put other people down to feel good. That's it. Um, You know, it's a kind of faux confidence that needs to have people lower than you so that you can feel superior. That's a that's a that's that's actually an inadequacy, not a not a strength. And it's amazing to me that Uh, So many, not just men either, men and women, and I think Australians are particularly guilty of this. We confuse bullying with strength. We confuse bombast and belligerence with with a powerful personality. No, no, this is a deeply insecure person making up for their sense of inadequacy. Um, You know, confidence doesn't need to go around throwing its weight about no, it's quiet than much quieter than that. And the ridiculing, the put downs, the subtle put downs, all of that bullying as well that um, Evelyn Field born and ridicule. Oh my God, the mockery! Mm. Men get a lot of that too. In oh, fact, they do. Men cop heaps if they step out of line. If they, you know, do something that the um, masculine world deems. Uh, a bit of a thresh. Yes. Um, they will mock the mm. man who stepped out of line really horribly. Mm. And it's a control, it's a control technique. It's to shame that man to get back into line. I've watched it all my life. Fortunately, um, men are less susceptible to that now. Both um the younger generation, who I think have um, some of them anyway, not all of them, unfortunately, but some of them have a different view than perhaps their fathers did, but also older men too because they, just like older women, you get less dependent on other people's opinions about you as you get older. Absolutely, and you quoted some statistics where, yes, younger men are becoming more enlightened but not in romantic relationships where they still want to be the dominant figure. Well, I've been brought up, it's been, we've groomed them to believe yeah. that. You know, everything, every romantic tale. I mean, we we call romance, I mean, I hate romance. I'm actually totally against romance. Mm-hmm. I think that it is a con and a sop thrown at women mm-hmm. um, to make them think that love is the be-all and end-all, which, of course, it isn't. And also that's not real love where you have to subjugate yourself to someone else. Well, they don't love you if they need you to be subjugated. That's not what you do when you love someone. Right. Um 
And I've long believed now that love is not a feeling, it's an action. Who cares how you feel? How do you act? If you make the person you claim to love feel like shit, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not loving them. You're not. However you may feel about it, you're not. And too many male female relationships are like that. And we call we call the romance the chase. I'm sorry. That's the case. That's scary. Right. So we've got predator and prey, have we? Awesome. That's a really good role model for both our boys and our girls. I don't want my grandson to grow up to be a predator. I don't want my granddaughter to grow up to be prey. I want them to grow up to be fully functioning, autonomous human beings in a world that allows them to be the best version of themselves they can be. And we know the big techs and Disney are promoting all of this through the the romantic myth and that there's coercive control inherent in that, as you're just saying, with the prey and the chase and so forth. And you're They're getting a bit better, uh, thanks to Gina Davis's wonderful um, Media Institute, where she started checking, particularly in children's films, how many female protagonists there were. And it was quite incredible. It was something like... 17% female characters to, <laughs> you know, um, uh, and the rest all male. And, indeed, one of the most interesting examples of um, that is um, Finding Nemo where um, there's only one female fish in the entire ocean and oh. she can't remember her name from one minute to the next. And we show this to our daughters and think, isn't this marvellous? Yeah. Well, it's a very funny film, but I'm not sure it sends a very good message to either our daughters or our sons. Well, that's great that Jenna Davis is doing some progressive work there. I'm pleased mm. to hear that. And uh, your new book is a fantastic uh, opportunity for people to look at this whole problem of coercive control. It's called The Mother and it was published in 2022 by Alan and Unwin. And it's mm-hmm. your first adult fiction novel. With all the writing you've been doing, the lecturing and so forth, what led you to write this book? Well, it's my 13th book, but, yes, it is my first um, novel for adults. Well, basically, um, when the idea came to me, it came to me as a fiction idea. It didn't come to me as a nonfiction, um, you know, thing. And the book I'd done before, it was Accidental Feminist, which is nonfiction, and that's the life story of women over 50. And um, that, I think, had to be nonfiction, and that's exactly what it was. So I'm not making a comparison between the value of fiction and non-fiction, but sometimes an idea comes and you realise that it fits one better than the other. And this one came to me because in the aftermath of one of those appalling incidents that happen far too often where, you know, a man um, usually involving coercive control for a very long time um, kills his um, estranged partner and their children and then himself. Yes, And in the aftermath of that, we often see all those photographs, you know, of the family and things like that. And um, I saw one of those photographs and it was of the woman and her children with an older woman, not her mother. Mm. And the older woman's face was pixelated and I assumed it was her grandmother. Well, I'm a grandmother and I looked at that and I just thought, oh, that poor woman, Mm. you know, how must she be feeling? And then I thought, you know, what if that was me? What if that was my daughter and my grandchildren? You know, how would I be feeling? What would I do? And then I suddenly thought, well, I know what I'd want to do. Yes. And then the idea just kept banging away at my head until I finally sat down and started to write it. And isn't it shocking that with coercive control, the killing of the woman 
is usually the first physical violent act. And I think few people realise that's why coercive control is now made a crime in New South Wales, that it is so, so dangerous. Yeah, it's incredibly dangerous. It seems to be the predisposing uh, pattern of behaviour towards homicide. The other thing that is physical violence is strangulation. If you're in a relationship where there's been strangulation, that's a real red flag that you are at high risk of um, being murdered. Um, there'll be homicide. And so those are the things, that's the thing. We Researchers know what the red flags are to look out for. But of course, often women in relationships have no idea. And a lot of women will think, I'm not in an abusive relationship because he's never hit me. He's never hurt me. And actually know if you're having your finances controlled, if you're not allowed to see your friends, if you're not allowed to wear what you want to wear, if you're not allowed to go out and do things without long explanations, if he's constantly phoning you to see where you are, no, 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 this is coercive control. This is not evidence of love, okay? Oh. Not evidence of love. It is not, oh, he's jealous, he loves me so much. No, 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 no. He wants to control you. Yes. And this comes out of a deep inadequacy in him which he may well need to seek treatment for, but you need to get the hell out of there. However much he tells you he loves you, you need to get the hell out of there. Seriously dangerous shit. And we know also when women are leaving a relationship, they are at their most dangerous point. I know it firsthand myself of being strangled at the point when I ended the relationship. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I hear these stories uh, frighteningly often. I think we underestimate just how many relationships um, actually include this level of abuse. We think that these kinds of relationships happen to some group of marginalised people mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. No, they happen in every social group, yep. in every suburb, in you know, in every street, um, and they can happen to anyone. I, you know, you're not so tough and kind of enlightened mm-hmm. that it couldn't happen to you no matter how brilliant, university educated, good a feminist, none of that makes any difference. That's right. Um, and so it it is really necessary for us to understand what's going on and when an abuse when a relationship begins to to turn abusive and when it can be dangerous and Unfortunately, you're right about the fact that it is on leaving that women are at their most vulnerable. Nevertheless, it is necessary to leave. Um, It would be good if you never got into such a relationship in the first place and that the red flags you saw early on made you think, shit, I better get the hell out of this quick. Mm. Uh, But, of course, these people are very clever. They they love bomb. One of the other... um, characteristics is they love bomb you to start with so that you think this is the most amazing man you've ever met Mm -hmm. that he understands you completely that he adores you and that you will always be um the adored object of his gaze and that is a trick Mm -hmm. um, and you need to be very wary of that kind of adoration um because it can be a clue i'm not saying that every very loving Um, person is doing that but you just need to keep a really weather eye on it and if you think you're in a relationship like that you need to set your plans of where to go and where's safe and how to get away um you know 
and, and make sure you're giving yourself a, a way out. So always have your own, own money too because, of course, financial control and reproductive control because yep. it's really hard for women with children to leave relationships. Mm-hmm. It's much easier for women without children to leave yep. relationships. Yeah, look, I think to keep ourselves honest, we've got to tell our nearest and dearest if we're interested or finding someone's interested in us uh, to keep ourselves honest and to make sure you've got a basic civil friendship of respect and so forth that that is a normal kind of basis within a relationship. This love bombing is that already trying to take control over us and it's already that sort of Disney romantic love that, sure, one day maybe that might be a bit nice as as an addition to a friendship, but if Mm. a friendship's not there when you're dating and normal behaviour, then it's never going to be normal. Exactly. And I think, you know, we need to be much more aware of of when someone is seeing our weaknesses and using them against us and our insecurities and our vulnerabilities because the person who loves you won't do that. The person who loves you, really loves you in an action kind of a way, is going to um, be very gentle of your insecurities and your vulnerabilities and understand that that makes you more um, uh, susceptible to some things and will resist doing those things you are susceptible to. Yeah, and it's often when you're telling a friend or a family member that, oh, it's cute, you know, he wanted to know all about where I was going or whatever, that you can hear the feedback in the concern of someone else that we haven't actually flagged for ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Someone who says, when are you going to be home? Um, and you say, I don't know, you know, I'll see you when I see you. And they go, no, I need to know because I'll worry about you. Yeah. Problem one. <laughs> Why? You don't need to worry about me. I'm an adult person. I can, I go, I've, I've been going out at night for a really long time. And <laughs> I can manage and I'll see you when I see you. And it is important to push back against that stuff as well because then you're drawing a boundary which says I won't allow you to control me. Yeah. Um, and, in the, you know, hopefully in the earlier part of that relationship, that can make you safer and also alert you to the fact that this guy's got issues and you don't want to be part of that. Absolutely. Better to be on your own. Better to be on your own than with, a, you know, someone who's seriously troubled in a way that means he he wants to project his own fears, insecurities, vulnerabilities, and, yes, madness onto you and to blame you for it. And because that, I think, is um, often what's going on in those very um, abusive relationships that uh, the, the man is projecting all his own weaknesses and vulnerabilities onto you and hating you for the things that he hates about himself. Mm. And that's a really dangerous situation to be in. They often do it to one of their children too. They'll yeah. often have favourites amongst the ch- their children and um, also a child they really ha- really don't like at all and treat badly. Same sort of thing, projecting mm-hmm. the, their own because they can't accept responsibility for their own weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And that's why we call it toxic masculinity because that ridiculous kind of masculinity which is not humanly possible which says that men are perfect always strong know the answer to every problem are totally in control understand society better than anyone else and have no weaknesses well anyone who needs to pretend that that's who they are Mm. you Donald Trump um is a really 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 screwed up person yeah and it's interesting it's always I think very 
reassuring when I see other men recognize this toxic masculinity in in other men. Um, and they may not sort of speak it out that loud, as you said, because of the tribalism between men in general, but that they can recognize it. And it's very heartening for a woman to have a male friend or someone else, you know, who who can see it and see the, the toxicity in it in the other male. Would be good if more men did speak up when yeah. they saw um, a man being uh, controlling yeah. of a woman and say, oh, that's not cool. Yeah. Why are you checking up on her? Yeah. That's not, what are you doing that for? That's not very cool. Um, because that would, I think, make it, I mean, I think there was a sense and there still is a sense in some circles that men have, why can't you control your woman? Oh, yes. I hate that phrase, your woman. I hate it when I hear people say, our women, you know, when they're particularly if they're demonising a particular group of people and saying that they'll go out and rape our women. Well, you don't own any women, sorry. You don't have any women. There are no our women and your women. There's just a woman. (laughs) She owns herself and no one else has any um, control over her. She gets to choose, just like you. And um, so that that whole idea of men needing to control their woman. Can't you keep your woman under control? That is a, that is a, that is absolutely in that realm of um, it reflects badly on me if I'm not the boss cocky in my relationship. Well, that's a very insecure position to hold and to believe. Mm. And it's immature. It's very juvenile. It's someone who hasn't grown up. They're still trying to prove who they are when really they should have gotten past that stage when they were about. 21 mm. um and so yes you, you it would be great to see men be less accepting of that kind of behavior um and turn less of a blind eye to it because that makes it more and more marginalized outlier behavior and that's a powerful way of um you know reducing its incidence absolutely and of promoting the really truly empowered male and for them to be proud of themselves enough to stand up to these toxic men and to really promote the empowerment of men. Thanks. Exactly. If they're so tough and strong and brave, why can't they stand up better to one another? Yeah. Um, and, and when people say that about domestic violence or whatever, that they just lost it, it's always interesting to me that they never just lose it with the boss. Mm-hmm. They never just lose it when it might have serious consequences for them. Mm-hmm. They pick on someone who they feel they can lose it with yeah. and there will be no consequences for them. Well, that's that's cowardly and and pathetic, really. And to your earlier point, stand up to them early on so that they don't start to feel that they can get away with it with you as a female. If you're testing them while you're, or I shouldn't say testing, but if in dating you're pushing back on a male, you're letting him know that you're not a pushover and you're reminding yourself not to be a pushover. Well, because desperation is never very attractive except to people who are themselves desperate and therefore would you know, feel better if they've got someone who's even more desperate than they are. Mm. And really you don't, you, you need to always remember that you are you and you should always be able to be you regardless whose company you're in. But I think it's really sad actually getting to this point because I think we also need to look at ourselves as parents because I know a great many um people of my generation, but also friends of my daughters, for example, who are now in their 30s, who had pretend relationships with their parents. Mm. So they didn't tell their parents the truth, not only about what they did, which all adolescents to some extent do, 
but who they were. Yeah. They didn't tell. And even when they go home for Christmas or to visit, they're pretending to be a different person. Wow. And I think to myself, so they've never learned. They've never been in that kind of relationship and your first loving relationships are with your parents mm-hmm. where you're allowed to be you your imperfect self, and you will still be loved. Now, you might get your behaviour corrected if you behave badly, fair enough, Mm. but you won't get it corrected cruelly. You won't be shamed or beaten or rejected. You'll be corrected and guided to do something a bit better. But if we don't do that with our children, then we don't teach them what a healthy relationship looks like, and therefore they go out into the world ill-equipped to create one. So we need to look at our parenting, I think. We need to do that, definitely. And as having been parented by a toxic parent, then recognising that until we divorce really emotionally, that toxic parent who may have been coercively controlling as a father to us, mm. we will pick it again in, a, in another male partner, whether it looks like that person up front or a charmer and a love bomber instead, mm. because we're starved and, as you said, desperate of the affection we didn't have from a father where we couldn't be our true selves, then mm. we've we've got to resolve that before we pick a partner because we're at risk of repeating the pa- the pattern. And, and a lot of there are toxic mothers as well. It's not, I don't think parents are necessarily one or the other, good or bad, but, and we're all bad parents to an extent. It's when it, because we all make mistakes and we all also have stuff in our own psyches that we don't understand. And they're the bits that'll, you know, I call them the toxic farts, the bits you don't recognize that come yeah. out, you know, yeah. fill up your relationships and your situation. We all have those bits. Yeah. But, you know, as long as we're not completely um, lacking in any self-awareness about our own weaknesses and unable to um, have a laugh at ourselves or self-deprecate or recognise that we might have stuffed things up occasionally or often, um, uh, we'll be all right. It'll be fine. But it's that when you've got people who, as you say, are toxic, and they're usually toxic because they are so desperately needy and never have had their needs fulfilled and you can sense sometimes those people, I think, I've learned to trust my instincts as I get older, there's a feeling of them being a black hole person. Mm-hmm. I sometimes say there are two types of people in the world. There are the energy givers, the yep. ones who, when you meet up with them, you come out of the experience feeling energised and buoyant and better about yourself and you think, oh, can't wait to see that person again. And then there are the energy drainers and you you go into an experience with them and you feel come out feeling exhausted and um, overwhelmed. and. I feel very sorry for the energy drainers. That's yes. that's real need. Yes. But you have to and and I don't cut those people out of my life. You know, often they're not they're not badly intended. Mm. But you do have to limit the amount of time and energy you give them because they suck you dry. Yeah. That's right. And a lot, I think a lot of women do have that rescue mentality for those desperate men and that's one of the tricks that they play. You know, you can help me and you know you're amazing and then we feel needed and and then we fall down a big black hole of their yeah. bottomless need yeah. and we've been manipulated into it and then we become very vulnerable and we start to doubt our own sanity, which, of course, is the crux yeah. of coercive control, the crux of coercive control, and they win when they make you feel like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do because they deny your perceptions, they deny your reality, they deny um, what you heard. Yeah. So, you know, you'll say, but you said, and they'll say, I never said that, and mm-hmm. you think, God, what's wrong with me? Did I imagine it? I know. No, this is a trick. 
I know. And, you know, we see these men and women, but I see with men winding women up. Mm. And then the police are called because the woman's gone off. The woman's had an outrageous outburst because she's so frustrated and so uh, wound up and, and beside herself that he has made her a bit crazy. I also can't bear it when I see sometimes in public um, a man who his humour is to put his wife down publicly. I oh. really don't like that. I don't like it the other way either. Oh. But uh, I don't mind a bit of banter between husband and wife where they might tease but, each other yes, and you feel like this is a reciprocal relationship and they, you know, they get off and they, they enjoy it. But yes. when it's constantly one partner belittling the other, I think that's always um, a worry and makes me think what goes if that goes on in public, what's going on in private? Absolutely. Well, now you've got another recent article on ageism and we're seeing a lot of that in the media lately, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Well, ageism is a huge thing, but it's the sort of last acceptable prejudice. Um, <laughs> you are allowed to discriminate against people if they're older. Uh, you're allowed to patronise them. You're oh. allowed to, oh, yeah, nobody objects. And oh. um, you you actually see um, people saying things like, oh, we need younger people. We've got to have younger people. Um, the ABC, quite, oh, we're going after younger audiences. Excuse oh. me, imagine if they said we're going after black audiences or straight audiences. Yeah. Um, uh, really? I mean, I don't think it's, 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 it is a form of discrimination to say we don't like older audiences, they're not sexy and they're not into new things. And, and so that's, that is just classic stereotyping and discrimination. Yeah. Um, and we see it all the time. I mean, if you look at our TV screens, the number of older women in particular is extremely small. Mm-hmm. Almost all of us in the media, when we get to a certain age and we're women, we experience uh, suddenly opportunities drive up. We get asked to leave panels and no longer wanted for certain things. Yeah. And you start to think, why? I'm just the same and I'm doing what I always done you know oh no we want to freshen the lineup which is code for you're too old mm-hmm. um and that happens constantly and it's impossible not to think well there's something going on and I think it happens to a lesser extent to men as well mm-hmm. and um there is an idea that um aging is a bad thing it's a terrible thing to get older and even when you see things like anti-aging you know it's an anti-aging clinic really why why would you want to be a opposed to aging do you kill them in there because that's really the only option yeah. to aging you and know exactly and to your point earlier that it's so stupid to not benefit from women in the workforce and that wealth of, of, of education and ability it's stupid for a society not to value the elders the older who have all this life experience wisdom and maturity and helpfulness for the society I mean cut them out and you're so stupid as a society well, worse than that, ageism is the stupidest of the of the prejudices, and they're all stupid. I mean, yeah. stereotype pe- people according to gender, race, sexual orientation, or anything else yeah. is dumb. But this is the dumbest because, in fact, the person who is currently discriminating against older or younger, but um, it is most debilitating when you're older because all that's going to happen is you're going to get older. Whereas yeah. at least when you're young, you, you know, you are going to get older. Um, but if you're discriminated against because you're older, well, it's only going to get worse. But you, uh, the trouble is you will get older yourself. 
And so you're shooting your future self in the foot. You're actually discriminating against the person you're going to be faster than you ever dreamt possible because the great piece of wisdom that older people have for younger people is, oh, my God, life goes past fast. Mm -hmm. You think you'll always be young. No, you won't. You'll be old so quick it'll make your head spin. And so when you discriminate against older people, watch out. Yeah, you. You're next in the firing line for exactly that sort of thing. But it's even worse than that. It's not just about you don't get the job, you don't get the opportunity, particularly for older women. It actually directly leads to their increase and is the icing on the cake of the increased vulnerability that women have throughout their lives to being uh, poor yes. and also to being homeless. Yes. That, that that accumulates like you know, if you think about the wage gap that we were mm. talking about at first, yeah, starts off at about eighty-six cents in the dollar. Well, it gets much worse than that. The the the, the gap gets much wider as women get older, yeah. um, and and so many older women, um, because they took time out to care for others, mm-hmm. young children, aging parents, someone with a disability. Whenever there's anyone who needs care, we seem to assume a woman will do it. Yeah. Um, they were. They didn't accumulate super. No one took that into account. Another reason why we need women at decision-making tables mm-hmm. is nobody was at the table to say when super was designed, but women don't fit that work model. No. What are we going to do for them? And no, not all of them. A man is not a financial plan. Saying their husbands will take care of them has never worked out well. So let's not do that. No one there to say that. So now we have this terrible cohort and growing fast yes. of women who are poor and at desperate risk of losing the roof over their head in their 50s, 60s, 70s, just the time when you desperately need a sense of security and safety. And that has been created by public policy and family tax benefits A and B and the still disincentive we give to women to return to work after they have children, tax disincentives built into our tax system, which we could change and should change, um, also, the world's fourth most expensive childcare system, which is another deliberate disincentive designed to keep women out of the workforce, yep. and all the super that women don't accumulate later as a, as, as a result of that. Single parents, predominantly single mothers, onto the uh, Centrelink benefit, New Start, it was called back then, rather than what had been the supporting parents' pension from the age of the child when the child turned eight. There is a direct line between the women who were placed on that, uh, who lost that money at that time. It was quite a lot of money if you're living on a on a fixed income to lose over a hundred and something bucks. Oh. I think. Um, they, they, a week or a fortnight, I can't remember exactly which, and um, there's a direct line between those women and the women who are currently facing homelessness. Oh. And the biggest precipitating event, see this whole conversation we're having is circular, the yeah. biggest precipitating event for those women ending up uh, living out of their car, domestic violence. Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's just all, as you said, all these prejudices are, are all stupid. You know, women are the reason why we're all on the planet in the first place and to not value and respect and look after them. And I think Australia is one of the worst countries for this. You know, I think there's more respect for elders in other cultures than in white Australia. 
I think the Anglo-Saxon culture is not very good at respecting older people. It's very obsessed with young and new and shiny. It's a very immature and juvenile culture, I would say. Yes, we could certainly look to Indigenous Australians and the way they respect their elders and listen to them, care for them. There's indeed a lot of evidence of that. Mm. As to the position of women, I think there are countries in the world where that's really terrible. One of those, of course, is the United States, Mm. where reproductive rights and our terribly under threat. In fact, I just read this morning a headline that said that 21 GOP, that's Republican um, legislators in South Carolina, are proposing that women uh, should face the death penalty if they have an abortion. So uh, we are really talking about attitudes to women that are quite extraordinary, basically saying that women are just containers. We're just portals through which other people come into the world. We do not exist as separate autonomous human beings ourselves. Then we see what's going on in Afghanistan. Understand, well, mind you, the Republicans and the Taliban should get together, clearly. Yes. Very much of the same ilk. And um, then there is uh, what is happening in Iran, which is actually terrible and wonderful because those Mm. young, mostly young women and and now many young men as well supporting them who are rebelling against the cold, dead hand of those religious assholes. Australia is probably somewhere in the middle where it comes to how we treat women. But I think we have a particularly a, a particular misunderstanding of what healthy masculinity is yes. and looks like. Definitely. And that we should be talking about these topics in this day and age. It's almost unbelievable. It is, but I want, you know, I want to sound a note of hope. I mean, I'm 66 in June and I've been a feminist all my life, as you mentioned. And um when I think about, and I write about this in Accidental Feminist, when I think about the kind of life that my girlfriends, who almost none of whom were feminists at the time, I, me and my best mate were outliers, um, but they're all feminists now, oh. interestingly enough, all of them. But at the time, oh, no, I'm not a feminist. And um, but the kind of lives they thought they'd have, they'd work for a while, they'd meet a spunk, they'd get married, they'd buy a house, they'd have kids and they'd live happily ever after. That was it. And that was the only life we saw women having. You know, there were that that when I was um what, nearly 10, when I was nine, uh, that's when for the first time women working in the public service weren't fired when they got married. So yeah. You know, there was an expectation that women would only work for a short time if they worked at all and then a man would look after them. Mm-hmm. And the way that has changed in the last 50 or so years, the way women look forward at their lives and the sorts of opportunities and possibilities and um, the kind of education that they're able to access um, is beyond my generation when we were, you know, 16, 17's wildest imaginings. And that is such a huge change mm. and our view now that we're entitled to that yeah that and entitled to be child free and entitled to be child free entitled to love our own gender if that's the way we feel entitled not to marry if we don't want to and still be able to live well and maybe even have children on our own if that's mm. what we choose to do there have been there has been such a liberation yes um in comparison to the generations that came before mine yeah. i'm hopeful that those liberations continue growing exponentially for those that follow mine i worry that there is a very strong backlash at the moment mm. go the 21 gop legislators in the us who are trying very hard to put the genie back in the bottle mm. my view is it'll never go back in the bottle that that 
women aren't going backwards. They literally have to hold a gun at our head to make us. And that takes, as they do in Iran, for example, and Afghanistan, and that takes an awful lot of energy to do. And I also look with great hope at the way women voters are voting for women independent candidates because mm. I'm sick and tired of how both political parties yes. have just uh, used and abused and sopped, you know, fobbed us off, fobbed us off, fobbed us off for ever since we got the vote, really. And at last, 123 years after we got the vote, we finally worked out that if we get together and vote for one another, we stuff up the neat little male political model they've had for so long. Absolutely. And on that wonderful note that the momentum of of liberation continues despite the backlashes, um, thank you so much, Jane. People can find your book on uh, any of the um, Booktopia and so forth book sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, published in 2022, The Mother. About it's Colossi- a bestseller, so it's probably still in bookstores too and they can order it in for you if you wanted to get it at your local bookstore. Brilliant. Congratulations on being a bestseller with that book as well and all the wonderful, so amazingly helpful work you do for us um, in raising consciousness. Um, And people can find you as a speaker and for your workshops and and anything on your website, which is? Uh, I don't actually have my own website because I'm lazy and I don't want to keep (laughs) updating it. Uh, I have um, a manager, Peter Wall, Mm -hmm. Um, so he has uh, me as part of his uh, website and I also have a speaker's agent, Claxton Speakers, so you can find me easily through either of those um, great people. Um, But, yeah, I don't want my own website because I haven't got any staff and I'm already so busy I can't scratch myself. So um, trying to update a website just makes my mind kind of go, oh, I've got to do it. So they can find you at Peter Wall or at Claxton Speakers Bureau. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Jane, thank you so much for a fascinating podcast today. Oh, my pleasure, Amanda. Thank you for asking me to um, engage with you. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening right now. Plus, don't forget you can access all of the resources mentioned in today's podcast via the show notes. Is there a pressing issue or topic you'd like me to discuss? Head to my Instagram at dramandaferguson and send me a DM. I love hearing from my listeners. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 497 or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14 and Kids Helpline, again 24-7, on 1800 1800 and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.